Hello and good afternoon. My name is Fernando. Thank you for all to all the panelists and thank you for all the people that is getting connected right now. Uh, we would like to tell that this is a, a panel that is brought to you by the Colombian American Association that it was founded in 1927. It was the first binational chamber of commerce for Colombia established in the United States. Uh, we are a private nonprofit business organization that seeks to disseminate up-to-date information on economic, financial, and political matters and promote commercial and cultural ties among the people of the two nations. Uh, thank you, thank you to all the sponsors that makes all this possible. Uh, we are making this conference possible because of Wilkie Farr and Gallagher, of course, Content Room and the partners of Philip Morris International, ProColombia, WeWork, Look for Capital, Camera Colombiana de Comercio Electrónico, LAFCA, and Nearshore Americas. So it's time to get started. And I have uh, the honor to, to introduce the panelists. I'm going to give a very short description of you guys because I really want to take this opportunity that you introduce yourselves, the company that you work for, and the most important part, what are your 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 common ground or your thinking about innovation and technology, which is going to be the main topic of our current panel, okay? So let's start with Andres Nunez. Andres Nunez is the CEO and founder of Greeky. Greeky is a company that is uh, really growing very fast in terms of ed tech. They are becoming kind of the Netflix in education and they are pretty much everywhere in terms of, of the different uh, topics that you can have in terms of, of education. So Andres, it's a pleasure to have you on this panel. Welcome. We also have Jorge Arias. He is the Latin American Director on Productivity and Collaboration at Google Cloud. Jorge is just joining that position. He used to work for another company and he is also uh, part of a one university. He will tell us a little bit more about that. And of course, we have Andres Regifo, uh, Regifo another Andres. Mm -hmm. He's the Director of Corporate <laughs> External and Legal Affairs at Microsoft Colombia. So thank you very much, all of you guys. Let's start with you, Andres Nunez. Tell us a little bit more about Greeky. Okay, thank you, Fernando. Uh, thanks to the Colombian American Association for in inviting me to this panel. It's an honor. Yes, I like to say I was born in a university. My family founded a university in Colombia when I was uh, five years old. And in that university, I, I used to play around. Uh, then I became director of student affairs. I became professor, dean, uh, vice director, and rector of the university. Then I was able to uh, manage a network of three universities in Colombia and a, and a network of 18 universities in Latin America. In all this process, I, I found that the key, uh, technology is key, but also uh, human skills, content is key. So I decided two years ago to create Greeky. In Greeky, we like to organize, we have the mission of organizing knowledge uh, in learning playlists. Uh, we believe that content is already out there. So we, with, with a network of 10,000 professors, we find the best content available. We create learning playlists that we share with millions of persons. We believe that knowledge is its liberty. So we want to bring knowledge to every person that we can, uh, especially in Latin America. And that's what we're doing right now with Greek. We're, we're organizing world's knowledge into learning playlists. 
Thank you very much, Andres. Thank you very much. Um, knowledge is liberty. We will talk about that later on. So let's move and let's jump to Jorge. Jorge, tell us a little bit more about you, uh, your experience as professor, and of course, in the technology world in these two companies that you have. Been That's right. Uh, first, uh, thank you so much, Fernando. Thank you so much to the Colombian American Association for the invitation. It is an, a big pleasure to be here. Uh, okay, this is Jorge Arias. Uh, I have been in the IT industry, IT and business industry for almost 20 years. During this time, I have the opportunity to work for important business transformation in the region, important business transformation in Latin America countries like Brazil, Mexico, but the most important in Colombia. And what that means, business transformation. Business transformation, uh, I define as a way to define or redefine business model as a way to identify new revenue stream, as a way to create operational efficiency, as a way to create new customer experiences that make the difference in the companies. My statement to, to highlight probably how we are going to support the discussion is the technology and the innovations are the enablers of the new business models. And the new business model is the big opportunity today to take advantage and redefine the future that we would like to create. Thank you very much. Tech and innovation as enablers for new business models. And we, were, we will be talking a lot about business models and these business models, of course, in Latin America, but previous to that, let's talk with Andres Rengifo. Andres, how are you? Welcome to this panel as well. And very well, Fernando. Thank you very much for um, you know having me. Um, it's such a such a pleasure and and uh, an honor to be with all these distinguished panelists. And also, I want to extend uh, a warm um, you know thank you to the Colombian American Association for putting together this event. I'm pretty confident that we are going to have a very uh, engaging and a live discussion during this hour and a half. Um, you know, just to give you a little bit of background on myself, I have been um, you know working in the industry for the last um, would say 16 years. Uh, all those 16 years has been in Microsoft. I start off um, in Colombia, then you know I moved to Mexico um, for a couple of years, and then I moved to the U.S. Uh, and now I'm returning back to my to my country of origin, uh, which I'm so looking forward to be there, and I'm and I'm so excited to uh, you know to contribute to the economic recovery of the country. So I'm and and I'm very positive in that regard. Before I joined the you know the the, the industry sector at some point in my in my life, I'm not that old. I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I work with the public sector, and I had the opportunity to um, be involved on the on the trade negotiations with the U.S. when we were kind of negotiating on that all, all that uh, you know bilateral uh, FTA. Uh, it was a great experience. I have the opportunity to negotiate the, um, you know the IP chapter. So that's that's uh, something that is really related to the innovation part, um, and you know, with that introduction, let me I kind of um, want to give you a little bit of context of how we see the the economic inclusive recovery, especially you know when it has to do with technology, and you 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 keep me honest here. You know, I think 2020 has emerged as one of the most challenging years in recent history. Um, I mean, if you look at the economy right now, it is pretty it is pretty uh, you know apparent that um, soon is not gonna be as it used to be back in January. Um, so definitely if we um, are looking to those steps that need to be taken in order to foster 
and safe and, and successful economic recovery. Uh, it starts by creating those uh, you know, digital skills that we need for the new uh, jobs. Um, and obviously, you know, when we focus on that as a company, we are thinking on uh, those who has been hardest hit by you know, job losses, uh, and including obviously those um, uh, with lower incomes, women, and those underrepresented minorities. Um, with that in mind, uh, I would say, you know, I would try to kind of lay out the discussion in two main chapters. One has to do with how we are seeing technology as an enabler, as Jorge was saying, you know, in terms of that operation and continuity that the worlds need uh, to continue operating while in a crisis that, that we are facing. And the second chapter um, that I would like to, you know, to focus on, and that's going to be part of, of our discussion, is how uh, we see technology and his social dimension. And in that front, you know, I think you know, on, on, on three kind of subcomponents or subchapters that has to do with connectivity. And in connectivity, we, we, we are really committing in terms of how we, uh, you know, extend connection to those uh, um, areas or remote areas where, where internet, internet hasn't reached yet. Uh, we believe that uh, you know, connectivity is the new energy of the 21st century. And I think that's, that's key. Also, uh, you know, how we are working on, on a skilling and, and particularly on, on focusing uh, on how we match those um, you know, skills that are needed with the demands of the market. And last but not least, uh, you know, innovation, which is kind of, is kind of the platform uh, but we are really looking at that innovation from a from a you know a social sense perspective, as well as how we um, contribute through innovation and technology to the good of the world, and basically to uh, you know respond to the bigger uh, and 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 hardest challenges that we are facing as a society. And and with that, sorry, it was a kind of a long introduction. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much, Andres. Thank you very much. That was a very good setup. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit about myself, but first to all the people that is connected, I now understand that the chat is uh, not enabled, so don't worry. The Q&A is enabled though. If you have any question, please feel free to use the Q&A to interact with me and with the panelists uh, in every moment that you really wish to do that. Uh, regarding me, my name is Fernando Ansures, and I'm the founder and CEO of Exma which is the biggest marketing platform in Latin America. And now we're starting our exercise in the US as well. Uh, it's very easy to, to say in two words, we used to do physical events. That was our, our biggest hits. Last year, we brought Barack Obama uh, with 6,500 people. I don't want to imagine what is going to happen if I say uh, in 2020 or 2021 that I want to do an event of 9,000 people physical, uh, you, you maybe laugh or cry or get scared. So we have to move into the online events. And so far, we have touched more than uh, half million people so far in seven events. And that changed our minds. Uh, and now we understand that the education, that to touch any single life it's possible if you understand that things that Andres was saying about reskilling, upskilling, and the way to get people connected as Andres Duñez was, was mentioning. So that's going to be my first question. We all know that 2020 was a very, very tough year. And 
there's a lot of learnings, but there's also a lot of people that they cannot access maybe all the technology or that they don't, they, they cannot take back their jobs. So how the technology or how the innovation is going to help that people in Latin America to, to maybe develop new skills or maybe uh, recreate new jobs? How is going to work that in Latin America, innovation and technology to create, I don't know, new ways of, of, of living, new, new, new jobs? So let's start with uh, Andres Nunez, and then I'm going to move the, the panel a little bit. Andres, what do you think about that? How is it going to work? Okay, Fernando, um, I, I think there's a key word here, and, and, and you just said it, it's a scalability. I think technology uh, through innovation can make things really big, massive, scalable. Uh, you just said it, you used to do face-to-face um, -face meetings, now you just touch almost a million people. That's my dream. I, I, I dream of uh, my first objective is to to bring education to 1 million persons, to democratize access to higher education. I've been in higher education all my life, but I know we can make things better. I know that through technology, through innovation, we can bring the best content available out there to people that cannot pay a private tuition. Um, and, that, and, and you see it, it has already happened. When you see what Coursera is doing, what edX is doing, when you see that you can have MIT and Harvard courses for free or Los Andes University courses for free, that's amazing. If you don't want to learn, it's just because you don't want to learn. Okay, you have to pay if you want to get, if you want to have the certificate, but technology uh, and innovation can bring you uh, incredible value uh, to millions of people. So I, I think that's what we can do, at least that's what we're trying to do in Greeky, um, bring in all that content that is out there available. Um, and we think, one dollar per student or, or something or, or or cents or free uh and then we can we can do a lot of good for 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 our, our region that's uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna keep this phrase for me and for the people that is connected which is democratize the access to education and it's going to be another question related to that because uh universities and private universities in latin america they are expensive though. They are not as expensive that, that in the US, but they are expensive. So uh, that's going to be my other question. So you can think about this uh, later on. It's what is going to be the change for the universities in the near future now that they have to have this in front of them in terms of, it's not about the facilities anymore, but it's about the real knowledge. Let's, right. let's hang up that, that question. Jorge. Okay, very good question. Uh, just let me to start with an, a question that I received yesterday from an important customer. Jorge, if you can summarize 2020 in just one word, what is your word? And my word was opportunity. And this I'm going to start in this way. Why it is an, a big opportunity? Uh, firstly, I think that after March 2020, every person in Latin America, every person in Colombia is in power. Is in power with a lot of information as Andres has explained. Is in power with the best digital capabilities. Indeed, previous to March 2020, it is the cloud 
uh, as a way to democratize the access to the best technology to make the difference. So the opportunity is supported firstly by empowerment. Empowerment to make the difference because you are going to be empowered with the information, with the, the only the only thing that you need to have in your house is a pretty good internet connection. If you have a pretty good internet connection, you are going to be empowered with technology, with the information to make the difference. Second, uh, let me to say something. Previously, all companies uh, were speaking about working from home, but today is more working from anywhere, any place. And Sometimes, and a company in Bogota say, okay, you can work from home, from home but you, you should stay into Bogota city. But right now you can live whatever, any place when you want, it's up to you, the place when you decide to live. And that is creating an amazing opportunity and at the same time, because we are creating a global talent opportunity. As you say today, we have the cloud computing. In the cloud computer, you are using Unimate, you are using, uh, your phone, but you don't know where is located the data center. And that is exactly that what is going to happen with the workforce. In terms of the workforce, you are going to require in the cloud, the best talent, the best people, and you don't know where is located. And that is going to, going to create an, a big opportunity for everybody. And, and I think that the second part of the big opportunity, it is global talent. We are going to move to the cloud of the top talent persons. You are going to have the best person independently of the place in the world where it's living. And that is going to create a lot of possibilities because you are going, that is going to increase the, the capability to, to move the development centers of Colombia. For example, today, Colombia is a very centralized country, Bogota, Medellin, Cali. But uh, when you have this capability, we can move to the secondary series and create centers of development there. And finally, let me to say that with 2020, after March to finish the opportunity world, it is, as I said before, business model. What, what is an, a business model for me? And a business model is an, a way uh, and a company create, deliver and capture business value. And during this time, we see multiple small and medium businesses in Colombia that are creating new business model after March 2020, especially in the e-commerce, especially in the last mile. One of the big challenges that we face today in Colombia is in the last mile. The e-commerce is pretty good in Colombia, but the big problem is the last mile. Once you have made the purchase in the e-commerce, the big problem is how you are going to receive your product. In Colombia, we have a big issue in terms of the last mile, but a lot of small and medium companies identify this as a big opportunity and create new ways to create value, deliver and capture value. And that is exactly the capabilities that is creating this after COVID. For me, before March, 2020, everybody was speaking about digital transformation. For me, the digital transformation is over. Now we are in the post-COVID, we are in a, new, in a new age, in an age of the empowerment. Empowerment to make the difference with the technology, empowerment with, the, with that technology, you can redefine and create a new business model. And finally, we are going to move to an, a cloud of tough talents. Thank you very much. And just because we have a lot of people from investment funds here in the panel, um, in the audience, let me summarize a little bit what you just mentioned. 
Latin America, we have to move to where Asia was moved five to seven years ago, maybe more Singapore, Vietnam, Malaysia, they develop tech capabilities. That means that if you combine learning English with learning the ability to get into the uh, tech area, there's a huge opportunity for the Latin American people, not only because those new capabilities will empower more the country and the people per se, so they can change the way of thinking and living, but also because you were mentioning something very important, developing mid cities. If we really want to scale up Latin America, we have to move out from the main cities and develop the, the rest of the mid cities. That is going to be a, a, a big, big game changer. And uh, yes, and finally, you were mentioning something that is very important. It's not about digital transformation anymore. It's digital enabling and how we can adopt faster the, the, the entire process of having technology as part of our life. So thank you very much, Jorge. And let's move with Andres. Uh, so so uh, you give us a very nice uh, setup about skilling, reskilling, about technology as enabler as well. So let's move from there and let's try to imagine those new jobs. What is going to happen with the jobs we lost? How technology is going to help us to develop new jobs based on that? Good. So Fernando, let me, good. I, I will answer that, but let me pick up on, 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 a, on a topic that, you know, Jorge left on the table, which is, okay. which is you know, what you see is um, a substantial, you know, um, exponential growth of technology and disruption in technology. And yeah. then you see a rate of adoption. If you see that two years ago, you know, the huge challenge was how to kind of um, reduce that gap between, you know, exponential growth of technology versus adoption. What the COVID-19 did is that somehow uh, we didn't have the benefit to still thinking on digitally transformed. You know, we basically were pushed to that environment. Um, so somehow that gap get you know smaller, uh, but we still have some challenges and, and very important and profound challenges in terms of how we build you know or we create the skills that are needed to thrive on that um, uh, you know uh, environment digital environment. So um, you know with that let me you know from from a skilling perspective um, you know what what Microsoft is doing is, um, you know, and this is a, is a huge collective effort of the company, you know, it's not just Microsoft, but also LinkedIn and GitHub are part of this as, you know, uh, subsidiaries of the company. But we are really um, kind of tackling the issue of skilling uh, by, by three main strategies. One is, um, you know, the use of data to identify- uh, And it's skilling and reskilling. You were talking it, it, about this skilling and reskilling. Let's talk about those. With, yeah. the three, with the three uh, topics that you're going to cover, okay? Good, good. So the, one of you know, the strategies are how we're gonna use data to identify in-demand jobs and the skills need to fill them. So you know, data somehow is gonna let us know, you know what, what the, market, the market is demanding and how we match that um, with, with the, the right skilling. Then obviously, and, and Andres was, um, you know, I, I think he, masterly put it very well in terms of you know democratizing access to education and knowledge uh, and and part of that is you know how we create free access to learning path 
and content to help people develop the skills that those needed positions uh, require. You know, and somehow is how we are becoming uh, more effective with the understanding of insights coming from data to really match uh, the needs of the market versus those skills uh, needed. And obviously, um, you know, the, how are we gonna promote and, and offer local certifications and free job seeking tools to help people uh, develop those skills and pursue uh, job opportunities. But in addition to that, I think a very important piece of the equation is that we have to think about this in, a, in an inclusive manner. So it's, it is not just that we are tackling a specific uh, chunk of the population, but we are also thinking on those that are somehow unrepresented, you know, and I think about minorities, uh, I think the rural population, and we can talk about all this beauty of how we are gonna provide access and how we are gonna provide them with the tools, but if they lack, you know, the basics from uh, really thriving on this um, digital environment, um, it's gonna be very hard to accomplish that, that vision. So in that regard, you know, it's for sure, that's something that we will discuss later on, but it's how we're gonna manage that connectivity challenge. Uh, and the connectivity challenge for us is how we reach out to those, um, you know, rural areas, which are part of the, you know, the inclusive uh, recovery that everyone is seeking for. Uh, and, you know, we need to start, you know, a little bit, um, but not from, you know, how we create connectivity. Basically, we are proposing something that is called urban, is how we use um, uh, technologies to connect at a low cost. But at the same time, it's not just the connectivity by the sake of just the connectivity, it's how we provide content. And that content is gonna help, you know, those uh, unrepresented or underserved um, minorities to build the knowledge and the skill that then will translate into economic opportunity. And somehow, you know, you bring, um, you know, a more uh, inclusive um, challenge to the um, uh, opportunity to this. And last but not least, you know, um, as a company, we believe that, um, as Jorge was saying, you know, and, and we really believe that the way describe this specific moment in time and in history is opportunity. But that's an opportunity that will allow us to kind of reset as a society, you know, and start, um, you know, solving or overcoming those uh, inequalities that at some point were created by the same technology. So how we use technology to really tackle and help those that are uh, the, the most impacted. So I will, I will develop. It's a very great challenge. Uh, trying to summarize what, what you were mentioning is that in, um, in one part, we have the free access. We need free access mm -hmm. and the democratization that we're all looking for. The other part is the skills. What are the needs of the market and what's the jobs that we have to create? But the, the real challenge that you were trying to, to, to put in, on the table is that what are the basic needs of the population? You were talking about, let's take Colombia with a 50 million inhabitant and maybe one third, they don't have access to water or they don't have access to some other things like food and they were living from the tourism. And if you don't have tourists, they, they, they don't have the basic, even though they have internet, maybe, it's, 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 it's a matter of how to balance that. And of course, what is, what is the best thing that we can do in terms of provide them with new knowledge, not just the connectivity per se, but connectivity with content is what you were mentioning. And that's, that's fascinating. So uh, yes, 
Latin America is uh, a continent with more than 700 million inhabitants, mm -hmm. and we have the same issue of distances on rural areas, and those are some of these great and main challenges. So let me move to another question, which I think it will help us to understand a little bit what is going to be the future. Uh, let's start again with Andres, Andres Nunez. Uh, Andres, so from your point of view, your perspective, where are the jobs that are going to be projected to grow substantially? And what are going to be the skills needed in order to cover these jobs? Uh, perfect, Fernando. Uh, but before answering that, you invited me to, uh, to think about something very interesting. I want to answer first that it's, it's what's going to happen with universities so then I can, we can think about the skills. And, and You're right, and I, thank I, you for I, reminding I, me. I, I nah. would love to, to, to have rectors of universities here, uh, here, hearing about what Andres and Jorge are saying, because the thing is in universities, we, we, we think, or universities think that we sell a path to a title. That's our product. We sell titles, and, and that's a big mistake. Our, our business model should be knowledge, not titles. We need to move from a product uh, business model to a subscription business model. We need to start thinking about lifelong learning. Uh, we need to start understanding that knowledge is our, is our business. And if knowledge is our business, we should uh, one small piece of content is, is our business. And if, if, if that's a Lego, as that small Legos as piece of, of knowledge, and we put together more Legos, then we can do courses or, or post-graduation. We, we can have a bigger portfolio, but at the end is for lifelong learning. And, and the business model in universities is, is very different. So just, I, I wanted to, to, to talk about that because it's a very big shift in, 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 our, in, the, in what universities should be doing. And then, uh, and a very I, big challenge because you come, you 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 are coming from a family that owns universities. So that what you're saying is that you have to to change that mentality. No, yeah, yes, I, you're I, right. It's not just in Latin America; it's everywhere. There's a path to a title. I love that that subject. Yeah, so, and 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 Microsoft is doing it. Google is doing it. And rectors need to see if that's that they're gonna compete with us. And, we, and Google did something amazing for I don't know forty nine dollars. Uh, they can kind of guarantee a job if you do their 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 program for six months in in programming. That's 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 amazing, and that's democratizing access to to lifelong learning and to a better quality of life. And and that's where we need to focus also. In the future of, of work, we need to think about obviously skills in, in programming, in IT, um, uh, data, uh, artificial intelligence. We, we've seen that all over, but I think that's not the only, th we, we should focus because the real important thing that uh, companies are asking us is we need to be good human beings. Uh, yes, you can have all those skills, but we need to have uh, that with something else. It's good human beings, you need to learn languages, First, you need to know IT skills, obviously, and you need to know human skills, um, uh, soft skills. You need to, you know, to know, you need to know about um, our, uh, emotional intelligence, resilience, uh, working in uh, communication. So I think, yes, we can. We need to to know a lot about professional skills, IT, but also how to be a better human being and how to be a lifelong learner. That I love that one. How to be a life long learner plus all the things that you were mentioned IT skills soft skills of course languages we have a lack of 
of uh, study in terms of languages in uh, in Latin America. Of, I live in, I live in Miami. I live in the U.S. And to be honest, uh, most of the people that lives in the U.S. they don't speak Spanish though. But it, it's us the 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 continent that we want to open to the world and the, the the language that we have to speak is English. So yes, you're right. That's part of uh, that's part of uh, something that I'm pretty much sure is going to blow even more, which is to 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 learn languages. So let's let's take that that question and move to to Jorge. What do you think about that? What are going to be the jobs and the skills that are going to be needed in Latin America in the upcoming? years or the part of this future of work? Sorry, amazing question. Uh, firstly, let me to start answering that today we are very vulnerable in terms of repeatable tax. Jobs related with repeatable tax are going to be taken in place by artificial intelligence. Machine learning, basic machine learning is going to replace people that are supporting repeatable tax. And in this way, how we are going to manage this problem inside the organizations. I think that we need to upskill, reskill this kind of persons to be more close to the customer, to be more close to the essence of the business. For example, uh, in my previous company, I, I was in Oracle for 13 years. Oracle created an autonomous database. The autonomous database is an, a database capable to self-manage, self-repair, self-patch. During huh. many years, Oracle was selling the skill of DBA, that database administrator. And during many years, this is an, a high salary pay skill. But right now, the skill doesn't matter because it is the machine learning who is operating the database. So what is going to happen with this kind of roles? This kind of role is going, the DBA means database administrator. Today, properly, the, these people is going to be more close to understand the data, to identify new insights that helping to the business to make the difference. So my first point is repeatable tasks are going to be replaced by artificial intelligence. The second point, the business model of the education. Uh, I have been in the education uh, area during 20 years as professor, part-time professor in Los Andes University and a private university here in Bogota, Colombia. And during this year was very amazing to understand how the business model has changed, as Andres say. Andres, welcome to the subscription business model. <laughs> Welcome because Correct. just arriving to keep for many years. We are in the subscription business model. But let me to explain you what exactly is happening today. During many years, the university is, over, is offering master degree program. And a master degree program is a two years duration program. The master degree program is composed by multiple courses. For example, artificial intelligence, data insights, yes. The artificial intelligence course is composed by 16 sections. In my specific case, I teach architecting digital enterprises in a postgraduate course of the Master in Business and Administration pro program. This is 16 sections, but some students say, hey, Jorge, for me, it is not important, my master degree. For me, it is not important, the degree. For me, it's not important to attend to your entire course. For me, it is only important to attend to the session number 14 and 
team. And I say, oh my God, the university is in a big problem because the students are demanding subscriptions to a specific micro section, micro courses, no entire course. Today, a student is charged by the master degree program as a educational, edu extension education is offering the course, but the students are not demanding neither the program, neither the course is demanding a specific micro content. My question is, current universities are prepared to offer subscriptions model to micro section, micro courses, because that is a new business. And my second point is the education is moving to the micro, con micro contents, specific small pieces of content as subscriptions. And finally, that it is important to reinforce here is what are going to be the, the new professions, the new jobs. Uh, two, years, uh, two years ago, I was reviewing with a uh, big financial services company in Colombia that is preparing people in re, retrain as a trainers of the machine learning algorithms because the algorithms have bias. For example, uh, some decisions taken by some algorithms have specific bias, and you need to protect the customers against those bias. And today, there is a new role as machine learning or artificial intelligence trainers or supervisors of the decisions of the artificial, in, uh, artificial intelligence solutions. This is a totally new job, and some intermediate organizations today in Colombia is offering this new profession. It's an, an intermediate profession. The second job that probably that is going to, to, as Andres said, it is people more in programming, people in data science, data insights. Um, but the key point here is how important is the quality? Probably one of the challenges that we are facing today in Colombia is the, 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 the President's Duquet has on a program to educate 100,000 software developers in the next months. Uh, it's an amazing, an amazing opportunity to offer qualified people to, to sell and export services to multiple countries. But uh, the, the question here is, it is not only to train in the programming skill, but also it is important to train in the logical, logical skill. As say Andres, it is not only hard skill, it is soft skills. How good communicators are people as software developers today, because that, that's those kind of people is going to work with customers in multiple countries. It is not only to be a good programmer, but it is all important to be a good communicator. How empathy do you have for co-create a work and collaborate as a team? That is going to open on a big spread. And probably today we are only paying attention to develop the skill of programming. But uh, programming, it is just one piece of the Lego. Probably it is the soft skill, communications, it is co-creation, it is the co-collaboration. Thank you, this Thank is the you very points. much, George. Let, let's move, let's move, because you are very passionate about this subject, but we have uh, less time and let's try to balance a little bit. Thank you very much about information. I will state, uh, I will highlight the micro courses, uh, the micro content, and, and, and that takes me to another question, but I wanna, I'm gonna leave this just in here. Uh, and the balance that you are all mentioning, which is going to be like a new formula of not just technical skills, 
but also soft skills. What soft skills, it will depend on where you are, but that's, it's gonna be a new education, very, very well balanced in terms of micro uh, information, what is really needed and when it's really needed uh, together with technical and soft skills. Andres, Andres Rengifo, let's move forward to, to, to your answer. Thank you very much, Jorge. Wow, Fernando, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot from all of you guys here. Um, yeah, you know, I'm kind of taking notes all the time. And, and uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm now more conscious about, you know, a, a thought that our CEO usually uses, which is um, we are transitioning from a know-it-all to a learn-it-all society. You know, that, that permanent, uh, you know, need to, to learn. Um, and then, you know, while I was thinking on that and I was listening to your reflection, guys, um, you know, I have two kids. One, my daughter is four, four year and a half and Jeronimo is just two years. But I'm already kind of putting money every month, saving for education, their education in the future. Um, and, you know, when I, when I deposit that money, you know, I'm always kind of thinking in the traditional model. I'm thinking because they are going to study five years, you know, and after that they are doing a postgraduate. And the reality is that things are changing so fast that that education is not going to be in that way just around the corner. You know, probably, I mean, you see now all the programs in, in, in Andres and Jorge were, um, you know, very specific about that, how you are already seeing, you know, very specific content, you know, skills, uh, everything is changing and universities, I think, are, are moving towards that way. Uh, so that's that's a big, a big uh, change in the in the paradigm uh and that's that's happening you know just now as we speak um and you know if i if i can do an analogy uh of what you were saying is basically what happened with the with the music industry yeah. remember that they used to buy you know you 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 look you like just one song but you have to buy the whole cd right and 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 the, and the disruption in that industry was so fundamental and deep that now you can go into any of these platform and you get the single song that you want to listen to and you pay the value according to what you are acquiring. And I think, you know, somehow education is becoming that way, you know, that you look for the skill that you need, you pay for that and then you go and find a job. Um, so as you see, you know, I mean, change is real, change is dramatic in, 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 in this space. Um, and, you know, with that, let me just give you um, based on our data from LinkedIn, um, you know, we can, based on, 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 on kind of the profile and the data, I can give you kind of the highest demand technological specialities that the market in Colombia is looking for. And I'm just going to read them through you so that you got that, that idea. And it has to do with, you know, the fact that people have to be very skilled with data and the management of data. But the first uh, on that list, obviously, are software developers then sales representative, because it has to do with specific skills that you need to sell uh, technology, program manager, information technology manager, customer service specialist, technical support staff, expert in digital marketing, and data analyst. Those are the professions that are being kind of looked for in Colombia. Obviously, if you run you know, uh, the, the same exercise with data in the US, maybe you see more specialized um, type of profiles. But, you know, the beauty of this is that this is already telling you that, you know, society in Colombia is transitioning to those, you know, skilling jobs in terms of um, technical skills. And I, you know, I, I can be in more agreement with Andres and Jorge when you talk about, um, you know, those human skills 
and, and, and that is becoming essential. You know, that's, that's the way we interpret the world and we really engage, um, you know, with, with our, our target audiences. And that has been particularly um, apparent on, on this era of uh, artificial intelligence. And I think, Jorge, you were bringing a very important point when you say, you know, even those algorithms, you know, they are made by people <laughs> and they reflect the, the bias of people. And somehow we are having all this discussion now where we try to apply ethics to artificial intelligence and that ethics is reflecting, you know, the ethics of human beings. So more than ever, you know, technology and solutions has to be human centric. We cannot continue to think that there is an abstract entity somewhere, you know, technology is made by us and for us. So that's, that has to be, you know, crucial when we think in, in terms of moving forward. Very, very important, very important. And this, and this topic is, it's, it's so great that we already have three questions. But before moving to those questions, I have a question for all you guys. And, and this is related because you are saving money for your uh, kids' education. And the, and, the, and the question is, so when is going to be the moment, because who is, what is first, chicken or egg, in terms of education? It's because companies are requiring the diploma. So we are all thinking that we need a diploma in order to path to a title that Andres Nunez was mentioning, or when is going to be the moment to change from chicken to egg, saying, no, it's going to be about the real needs from the companies that are not, I mean, what is a learning curve for a person that is um, joining a company in which they close the gap between what they learn in the university and what they apply in the real life? So. What is the breaking point and how it's going to happen? Let's start with Andres because Andres was mentioning this, like it's going to move from product to subscription and, and, and but maybe it's not just about that. If, if I have the subscription model, but I don't go to the university, however, I have all the skills, is the big companies are going to, to hire me? Andres Nunez. Uh, thanks, Fernando. Very, very interesting discussion. And and there's one point here you said, and I, I said it before, it's from product to subscription. But what's the key there? And it's that relationship. We 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 don't we need not to sell products. We need to um, build relationships. Uh, Amazon knows me now better than anyone because I've been buying from them since '98, and they know exactly what I want, and they know exactly what I want in two years. Uh, what if we treat education that way? Okay, Andres likes to learn this and learn this and learn this, and they help me build on my vocation, not on, not on the path to a title. Then companies are going to look at what, wh where are your certificates? How has been your lifelong learning? Ah, you know how to do this, and how did you apply that? And, and, and what did you do, do with that knowledge? Because that's, that's the key. Here we're talking also about the future, artificial intelligence, big data, uh, blockchain, well, internet of things. Yeah, but the truth is that's also old because the trend now it's low code and no code. So you need to 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 be able to do to be creative because programming is going to be there, and then you need to know you have all the code there. And now we're talking about citizen developers. What's that? That everyone will be a a, a developer, and Microsoft knows a lot about that, and and they will teach us how to do 
any programming and just take the code and what do you want to build? Build it and try to do some good for society. So uh, there's a, I don't know, I don't know that question to your answer because things are going to be slow. Some, some uh, departments still ask for that certificate, that title, but I think many are, are, are starting to look, okay, what did you do with that knowledge? What relationship you build? I, I think it's, it's going that way, but it's, 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 it's the future is prospective. So I, I don't have the, the exact answer. I think it's a matter of someone taking the initiative, Andres Nunez, like going with the companies and saying, okay, we have a, a, a research group of people with the traditional uh, university and a group of people with micro learning we put the both beta groups inside the companies and here are the results and results matter if we really believe in results i think that that is going to be yeah and, and or just, later part of just the... one thing and, and at greek that's what we're trying to do we're, we're building a subscription-based model you can it's not uh, all you can eat it's all, all you can learn uh and and let's see what happens it's all you can learn there it is like netflix 9.99 let me know what you want to learn. What else you want to learn? And, 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 and it's an experiment to see what happens with that. It's, it's going to be very interesting. And there's a very good conversation that you can have with Andres Rengifo as well. But let's move to Jorge. Jorge, um, sorry to interrupt you. You were really passionate about this topic. And now it's back to you. And it's back to you saying, like, it's chicken or egg. What is, what is, what is the right balance? And when do you think we are going to change uh, change or break this situation of uh, universe, uh, companies saying, okay, you, you learn or you study in a top-notch university, you get the position. But is, are we giving the best positions to the best uh, well-qualified people? Yeah. I think that firstly is going to reinforce something that Andres mentioned, Andres Nunez, is more about the partnership between enterprises and universities. And the partnership should be centered in terms of the strategy that as a country in Colombia, we would like to succeed. For example, as a Colombia, we would like to succeed providing developers, high qualified developers to the world. Okay, let me to create a partnership for creating this kind of programs. We would like to succeed, for example, Amazon open here in Colombia and, and a call center to provide customer service. Okay, we are going to succeed in the call center's business. Okay, let me to create the partnership. And in this way, we are going to create programs dedicated to, to move ahead the customer service programs. This is my first point, the partnership. The second point is more about the ambidexterity. What is ambidexterity? Ambidexterity is the capability to think in present and future at the same time. Okay, uh, uh, how we are going to manage this, uh, the, this important question is, it's an, an attractive question. Ambidexterity is, okay, I have an, a business model because at the end of the day, something is going to pay the bills in the universities and in the enterprises, the money should continue. You can't stop the machine that is creating the revenue. This is your current and existing business model. But at the same time, you need to think the new entrepreneurship, internally entrepreneurship, that it will make the difference. And probably today, it is not 
the major revenue contributors, but probably in the next three, five years, it are going to be the major revenue contributors. And that is the reason that I see and be disturbed because the management of the company should manage the existing business model that is creating the revenue that pay the bills, but at the same time is creating the new entrepreneurship for making the difference in the next three, five years. And the, this new business model of the, this new entrepreneurship probably could be managed an, as an spin-off or internally. Probably in Colombia, following multiple experiences is better to make an, an spin-off because for cultural changes internal, internally, change the culture is a complicated thing, is creating the spin-off. And in this way, it's created a spin-off for working so close to the industry. The universities should create an spin-off, a new entrepreneurship for working so close to the industry. Otherwise, it, it will be quite complicated to reinvent itself to face the future. Present and future at the same time. And that's going to be something that we all have to move forward. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. For uh, me, and this is called yes. ambidexterity mindset. And you know what? For me, this is, this is like the new way of having classes. Right now, for me, this is a great class. I mean, I will pay for, for having you me guys too. giving me, me this class. So, Andres Renjipo, it's your, it's your turn to, to continue the class for me. Thank you. No, no, very, very short, but uh, you know, I think Jorge and Andres have been doing an amazing job. So I would say, look, it's uh, from an industry perspective, it's already happening. I mean, Microsoft, Microsoft is hiring people based on skills, not, not, not based on titles. Um, and, and just look at, at the industry in terms of drop off from universities of schools that are leading companies. You know, it's, uh, I mean, we have several examples of that um, that, are, that are happening already uh, in the industry. And to be honest, uh, you know, what the industry is looking for is talent. And that talent uh, can come without a title. So if you find that talent, if you find that a specific skill that is needed, that's, that's what companies are looking for, at least from an, an um, IT industry perspective. But remember that, uh, you know, now with, um, you know, with uh, digital transformation, you know, we see every single company, regardless of the industry, as a technology company, you know, because their, their activity is based on data. And for that, um, you know, we, we need people with uh, specific skills. And just, just to end up the idea, um, just recently, um, I, I read a book that is called The Silo Effect. It's, it's, a, it's a, let's say two or three years, it, um, it was issued in the market. But it talks about an, a specific um, you know, type or very rare type of professional that they call cultural translators. And the cultural translators are those that have the ability to basically make their speciality digestible to everyone. So, um, and just let me give you an example. You know, security is becoming a huge, in, uh, a huge um, kind of a top-notch topic now in this industry. Everything has to run securely. You have to provide the most robust security features and all that. But those people um, that, that are specialized on security are very specialized in, in, in their knowledge. But it turns out that every single security decision now has to be made by the board or the director of the company because security as it um, safeguards data, which is the most valuable asset in a company, uh, is a decision that impacts 
uh, you know, the board and the director of the whole activity of the company. So now companies are looking, those people that, that has and holds that very specific knowledge, but is also able to transmit it in a way that everyone can understand it and take decision based on that. So I think this goes back to the point that Andres was mentioning, that it's not just building that technical capability, but also that human sense and kind of empathetic dimension of the work, you know, that you have that ability to really share your knowledge and, and share what you know. Um, but, um, you know, just brace for impact, you know, change is, change is, 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 is really profound in this area. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just putting a title, knowledge is everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I love this phrase of cultural translators, making your speciality digestible to everyone. So uh, thank you very much for that. We have seven questions. So if you agree, let's move forward to the questions of the people. And because there are seven and we only have 29 minutes left. So let's try to pick up some questions and divide the questions uh, through Fernando, you guys. Just, yes, just, uh, just, to recall, just to recall one thing, you know, the ones that the questions that I'm not, I don't know the answer, you know, we understand that are for Andres. Yeah, no, for the know. other Andres. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to. Uh, you I, have you know, to remain way, silent. look this way, you know, I'm looking to Andres. Nunez. Yeah, you just remain <laughs> silent like for about 30 seconds and then the other Andres have to answer. No, don't <laughs> worry. It's going to be me trying to start in different order now. And let's start with, with Jorge. Uh, how can we make sure that online education is meeting the needs of students, which might be easier to meet in the physical classroom? Okay, pretty good question. In my personal opinion, uh, probably the problem it is not if it is online or offline. Probably it is more about the content according to the reality and the needs of the industry. Yeah. So uh, I think because uh, in my experience, for example, we, we are developing people to create digital enterprises, specific digital business models. Uh, we used to use the Canvas models in the classroom before March 2020. Yeah. But after March 2020, we used digital capabilities to keep and probably was better because the, the collaborations and productivity speed up when you are working in the offline world. Uh, but something that I can identify is that the content, the content that you are delivering, that you are creating in the offline platform should be so close to the reality and according to the expectations of the students, the context of the industry. So I think, and I totally agree with Andres, uh, Andres Fijo when say the rural connectivity with content, when Andres Nunez say uh, offline education with content, probably the, 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 that it, there is an, a big opportunity as well, is how relevant is the content that we are going to deploy in the offline education. Probably so during many years, online education means low quality, it is not for me, it is better, okay. Probably the only thing that you are losing in the offline uh, education is the partnership, physical partnership, the networking that you create when you are leaving the experience face-to-face. -face. But uh, independently of that, the key piece is the content. The content is should be creating in terms of the expectations of the student, in terms of the needs of the industry. And just to, to um, 
make my own statement on that in eczema we create we we believe in education which is not just having knowledge but being able to apply that knowledge immediately that's the exactly. thing with new education is education so if you really want to learn you have to learn and apply learn and apply because maybe something that you are learning right now is not going to be the, it's not going to be accurate in 12 months from now so That's you right. have to learn the capability to learn. And the only way to do in that is to put it into action. Uh, into and maybe action. that can help a little bit. But let's move with you, Andres. And of course, Andres Nunez. And of course, I, I want your, your point of view based on, 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 on your, all your background coming from universities, which is based or it was based on theory, a lot of theory, which is very important. We need that uh, frameworks. But uh, but now that you are in the in our in another very different uh, field, what do you think about that, Andres? Uh, do you want me to go with the same question or yeah, with the same with the same question, just to to uh, yeah to give a, a, a sense of what is the the other side of the of the coin, maybe no? Okay, no, I I think you you just you you put it really nice with education and, and what uh, Jorge said, I think with education by itself, it doesn't help. It, it's, it's, it's been analyzed. You have to put into action all the knowledge experience. Uh, it's the key. So you have to use knowledge, uh, put it on experience and that's it. It's, it's a big challenge online that we're dealing with that. Okay, you receive everything online. How then? How do you put it into practice? Well, you need to create projects. I, I dream of now that we have lots of, of space available in offices and universities. Okay, why don't we throw down all the walls and, and just have like uh, big interdisciplinary spaces where we come to solve interdisciplinary problems and projects? Uh, I, I don't like the way universities are built with walls, four walls. It should be all interdisciplinary and solving interdisciplinary problems that's that's a very nice let's continue with you and a question from miguel londoño uh, has any of your organizations work with primary schools to make sure that students are ready to enter into stem careers really good question i think that was for andres Rengifo. yeah <laughs> <laughs> good it's working the other way around no <laughs> um i mean the short question is yes the question, question is yes, um, and and just to give you just to give you um, you know a very concrete example, not to, not to talk about you know worldwide things, but um, recently in Colombia, uh, you know we we brought we executed that concept that I that I kind of laid down laid out at the beginning, which is connectivity with social sense. So we brought uh, connectivity through urban, uh, we put content, and we developed the skills, and we did that with. Uh, uh, 150 girls, um, basically on a STEM, uh, and and somehow we we kind of accompany them walking the whole path. So we start by kind of providing them with basic knowledge that we call digital skills. Then we scale it up to something that we call foundational skills, and then we took it to a level that is more technical, and and we focus on uh, you know those those hard uh, discipline of the knowledge. Uh, so definitely, yes, uh, I mean, uh, the, the companies are working on that and, and the companies are doing that because they also want to, um, you know, to prepare the labor force that somehow is going to be back working for the industry. Now let's move uh, with you, Jorge. Uh, this is a question from Juanita. 
Is there a way in which we can push companies to train current employees with uh, repeatable tasks instead of replacing them with AI? Okay, uh, the answer is yes. Indeed, there are many companies today that are making assessment about the repeatable tasks that are going to be the vulnerable to the artificial intelligence. So the question is, some companies have taken the responsibility to identify the vulnerable areas into the, into the organization and are creating programs to, to move to no repeatable tasks to tasks more oriented to provide business value, more business value added uh, tasks that are going to make the difference. Now, one answer to Juanita is that uh, for the companies, there is no choice of no using artificial intelligence for repeatable tasks, because in this way, they are going to, to lose productivity. They are going to lose competitivity. In this way, the, the right way is to make an assessment, identify what are the red areas that you need to pay attention or and trying to move to move those persons because those persons has a big knowledge of the organizations and a big knowledge of the business processes of the organization and in this way to retrain in activities activities that are more close to the business value so there's no choice you yeah, have exactly. to you have to get away from repeatable tasks and uh, use the technology and because if not, you're going to lose productivity and, of course, competitiveness. Thank you very much, Jorge. There's a question from Maria, Maria Carolina Serrano. Great talk. Thank you, Maria Carolina. How do you see the willingness of industry to work together with universities in order to not only give feedback to the curriculums and academic offer, that's what we call the pensum, uh, but also to work jointly to solve real-world problems. Andres, I think that's Andres Nunez. Yeah, that's great. Don't that's get away. Great. Don't get away, Andres. <laughs> this is mine. This is mine. Not this time. <laughs> no, I think that's already happened. Uh, thanks for the question, Maria Carolina. It's a great question. And, and that's already happening. It, there's no other way to do good curriculum if we don't work together. Um, and I, there's a, com a startup company in Colombia. It's called Interactivia. They won the Everest Award last year. We were finalists this year. Uh, and what they do is they uh, create projects and they go to companies and, and, and tell them, okay, which, which project you want to work with us and we work together. And at the end, they see what happened and they create a new curriculum and, and go in and start building new curriculum. So that has to happen. And I think uh, Andres was saying about uh, this as, uh, data that LinkedIn Learning has. We, we need to use that. Nobody has better data about skills than, than that research in, in LinkedIn learning. We need to do that to create good curriculum. That through this, we can, as higher education institutions, we cannot keep doing curriculum just inside our four walls. We need to do it, uh, it in, together with, with the companies. And that's already happening. It should be better, but it's already happening. And there's no other way to do it. You just give me an idea for Exma. Get with challenges. <laughs> and get real solutions. And if you get to the solution and it's a good solution, then it's, it's working. Yeah, and you have the students there that want to, to apply knowledge. So there's the project, here's the students. I have this issue with my startup company. Uh, let's, let's do it. And, and that's the best experience you can have.
if you really want to uh, to get new students, that's a, a very nice value proposition. I mean, we are going to give you the knowledge that you know to really address challenges, to solve problems. Um, uh, okay. Fernando, yes, Jorge. Just just one other small idea to the Andres point. No, no, yes, please <laughs> go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, that's right. Uh, I think that there is something very important to take into consideration in the industry side is the short term versus the long term. Mm -hmm. The industry sometimes is thinking in the short term, but sometimes the big partnerships probably require a mid-term, long-term relationship. And that is the reason that we, I, in my personal experience, I see it, that some partnerships between the industry and the university are pretty good at the beginning, but the industry is requiring the shorter results and the university sometimes is not able to afford shorter results because in you know in the research you are working in the mid long term okay thank you very much thank you very much uh let's move with another question from anonymous attendee how can we avoid secondary cities with less infrastructure access and the education necessary from uh falling behind in the digital transformation so maybe this uh, question has to do with how can we provide the, the mid-cities with the necessary tools that they need to, to don't, uh, stay back or stay behind? Uh, and I want to connect this question with you, Andres Rengifo, because you were talking about the rural areas mm -hmm. and the way of having the, not just the connectivity, but just but the connectivity and the, and the content. Yeah, but a very basic answer, but I would say, you know, there, there are a lot of initiatives now under the umbrella of smart cities. You know, um, cities are being connected. Um, um, you know, the Internet of Things is, is being implemented as part of the, you know, uh, city strategies. Um, but somehow I think the key point on that is um, to ask ourselves why we are connecting the cities. I mean, what is the purpose of connecting a city? Uh, so you see different strategies. We are connecting cities because we want to improve security. Uh, we connect in cities because we want to improve uh, mobility. Uh, we want to, um, you know, uh, you know, improve so many things. But now I think if if we really want to see cities as those hubs of education and access to knowledge, the question of leveraging technology uh, is uh, that's that's the challenge that they have to. Um, uh, to tackle. And somehow, you know, when, when you think on those, um, you know, kind of metropolitan cities, you know, those major cities, um, that's not a present issue, you know, because it's where you have the, the most prestigious university and the biggest centers for, for education and, and for uh, knowledge access. But then, you know, you go to those, let's call it, you know, second tier or second level cities where you are still to do a, a better job in terms of connectivity, uh, and generated access. Um, and to be honest, you know, I was thinking that all that technology that is being built now to connect those rural areas can be an alternative to start thinking on how to connect those second, second tier cities as, you know, those technology already off, those technologies already offer, uh, you know, low cost in terms of uh, speed and infrastructure. So I think that, 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 could, that could help in that front. And, and, and we need that. We need yeah. to de really develop small and mid cities for, yeah. for a lot of reasons, no? from traffic jam mm -hmm. to the creation of, of employment. And because if you are able to do that, then you can export that talent as well. Yeah. But 
That's one of the things that we really need in Latin America. And this is a, there's a, one question from Andreas Marki that I really um, love reading it, which is through the perspective of a competitive workforce, how can Colombia and the US complement each other by leveraging the technology and its fast development to build synergies? Example, what countries should focus on what specific areas and skills given its competitive advantages? Mm -hmm. So who wants to go first? Okay, uh, okay, pretty good question. I think that in the United States, uh, it is the IP, intellectual property industry, and the IP could be leveraged by the programmers, developers skills that are being educated in Colombia. So I, I think that if, if you're asking me what are the three areas of Colombia could take advantage. Probably the first one, it is more in qualified people to support in IT, in developers skills, uh, programming skills. This um, data, today there are many programs oriented to the data science and data and insights. The second point is more about the customer services, serving as a health depth, servicing, uh, realizing the value proposition of the customers in terms in a good iteration. And, and finally, it is uh, about the second level, second level research. Probably the main scientists, the main research are making in the US, but uh, probably there are an, a small teams in a small university working here as a, goes as a dark back to the big research teams in the US. This is the three principal areas from the Colombia side. In the United States, totally, the United States is in a big market. Today, there is an, a gap in developing new capabilities in terms of technology. And in this way, US could leverage in Colombia programming skill. The second part is about the IP, and uh, the intellectual property governance, uh, regulator, regulations, and the protection of the IP, probably that are the skills that they have in the US. And finally, US is on a big market. So probably uh, Colombia GDP is around 330, 350 billions of American dollar billions versus the big GDP of the US. So the big market is going to demand the capabilities here. Absolutely. Um having the people ready to 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 have uh, as a purchase power um, from one side to the other okay and this this question is to andres nunez andres nunez can you tell us a little bit more about how the private organizations uh about the private organizations that you are working with to reskill their employees are they from any specific industry sure thank, thanks for the question and before i answer this one i just would like to add that what Presidente Duque is doing with the Economia Naranja effort, it's, it's incredible for trying to leverage that advantages of, of Colombia and, and US and, and all the startup ecosystem. So I think that's, that's an effort that it's, it's worth keep doing it. And, and related to this, to this question, um, yes, thanks. Uh, what we're doing is we, we can create digital universities in terms of Wix uh, because we use uh, artificial intelligence to curate content. Uh, we bring, we, we define a keyword, for example, and with that keyword uh, and using artificial intelligence, we, we create those learning playlists. In doing this, we can create a, a digital corporate university in a matter of four to eight weeks. 
Uh, so it's it's kind of in, in any area. We we are the corporate university for Organización Corona in Colombia. Uh, we've been working with them for two years. They're a manufacturing, a big a multinational company in Colombia, as, as most of you know. But also we ju we're just the corporate university of a startup, a very strong startup that is called uh, Robin Food University, that it's now in Colombia, in Mexico, in Brazil. And we were helping them with languages, soft skills, and IT. And we were able to put that together, as I said before, in, in, four, in four weeks uh, using this content curation and artificial intelligence. So uh, that's how we're working with, with corporations. Unbelievable. So as Jorge was saying, we all need some uh, artificial intelligence sooner or later. Uh, there's a new question that is just arriving and it says, what a great panel. So thank you guys. Thank you really for all your knowledge. It has been very, very useful for all the people that is attending this, attending this panel. You talk a lot about career in IT and data science. For the people that are in the liberal arts, how do you, how would you advise to mix these two fields, the liberal arts and of course the, the IT? So if you want to move forward, Andres Rengifo. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful, <laughs> that's a beautiful question. And let me kind of take off the share from Microsoft and, and, and answer from, um, from an individual perspective. But I, you know, when I, when I look at these times, I think we are um, living through the most amazing times. Um, and I compared them to the, um, uh, you know, to the back to the Renaissance time. I think we are living a new Renaissance, you know, in the sense that we are understanding a new dimension of the human being, right? Uh, and uh, that new dimension of the human being is basically untapping um, virtues that we didn't know that we have or that they were there, but we are just becoming to develop because we are faced with new challenges. So, I mean, I would bring several ideas, but you would see that at the end, they make all the sense. So think for instance, on the, on the first industrial revolution, the, the very important thing at that moment in time was that man was able to delegate, you know, physical capacity on a machine. And the fact that he delegated physical capacity on a machine allowed him to focus on other activities that basically allow him to move forward to continue evolving, to continue developing as a, as a human being and as a, a collectively as a society. I think we are living one of those times where, you know, we have all these disruption technologies, we have computers, we have artificial intelligence, we have big data, we have everything connected. And that is posting us again as, as, human, as a human species to make that fundamental questions, which is what are we worth? for, right? So are now we're going to delegate, you know, part of our intelligence on machines, but that will liberate some space that will allow us to continue evolving uh, and developing as a, as a species. And I think liberal arts come, um, you know, with a huge, huge um, opportunity here to continue allowing us to thrive and dream and dream of that, you know, bright, bright future. And let's not be naive, you know, as a society, um, we are facing the most brutal um, challenges ever known. You know, every challenge that we have right now can be solved in isolation or can be solved by a single entity. You know, the challenges that we are facing right now need the concurrence of all. Um, so, 
climate change, world peace, and I mean, you, you name it. Um, and I think we need a lot of people that help us dream how we're gonna achieve them. And we also need people that help us code those dreams. Um, and because of that, you know, I think liberal arts is gonna be a key player on, 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 on all these new dimension for us as a society. I was, I was making a note here, like machines, uh, they pretend to be, but they are not human they beings. Are not. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference of uh, yeah. what we have to do in terms of yeah. allow them to do what they are pretending to do in a very automatic and, and yeah. state of the, of the art uh, specific way. And then we can do a lot of different, different things. And Fernando, uh, we have, have one thing, just, just one second. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Great. So remember that artificial intelligence is just trying to emulate a very, 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 very um, component of, of what is a human, you know, which is intelligence. But we are far beyond that, you know, we are love, we are creativity, we are emotions, we are intuition. Uh, and that's something that is not going to be replaceable by machines or artificial intelligence. So every time that we talk about technologies, it, it's very important that we ground people uh, in what technology is for. And technology is to complement us as human beings, not to replace us. And I think if we look technology from, from that perspective, you know, the future looks very bright. But sometimes, you know, we hear those news and those headlines that said, you know, you know, artificial intelligence is gonna displace everyone, you know, it's gonna replace us all, it's gonna kill us. That's that's not the future that we are heading for. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So we have five minutes. Let's make some remarks, starting with Andres Nunez. Let's let's take one minute and a half for <laughs> your closing remarks about all this fascinating panel regarding innovation, technology, a lot of education. And of course, solutions leading the recovery of Colombia Latin America economy. Oh, I think Andres uh, already closed it with, with these final <laughs> remarks. And I just want to, it, it was an honor sharing with Jorge also great things. And Fernando, you're an amazing moderator, but I think it's, it's what uh, Andres just said. Uh, uh, I can say, you remember Kasparov lost to the blue and he yeah. was like crazy. No, it was, it, it was not true. That was, that was not real. Then he recovered and said, okay, uh, now I have to do something. And he, and he created the Centauro chess game. And the Centauro chess game is the combination of, of human and technology. Mm -hmm. And it's better than, than the deep blue that, that won him. And now he feels he won. And that's what we have to do. We, we, we need to use technology for our vision of humanity. Uh, but it's, it's our vision, not, not that artificial intelligence vision. And, and education has to do a lot with it. And I think I'm, I'm very positive about what is happening. It's, it's challenging, but we, we can build a, a better future for, for humanity. Thank you very much, Andres. And let's move forward with you, Jorge Arias, your final remarks. Okay, again, thank you so much to you, Fernando, Andres, and Andres. Uh, amazing speakers, as you said before, I am learning a lot about your insights, about your speech. My final word is, firstly, uh, the big competitive advantage of any organization today is an inclusive and a diverse team to reinforce Andres' point. Uh, because the kind of problems that we are facing today only can be solved from multiple perspectives, multiple disciplines. The second point is uh, I'm very positive about the future. 
I think that about the future in Colombia, about the future how in Colombia we are empowered by technology, by information to make the difference. I think that President Duque is making an amazing work with the Economia Naranja, Orange Economy, as a way to leverage the creativity, the technology as a way to reimagine the new future, reimagine the new business models that are going to move ahead of Colombia. And finally, to the investors, uh, invite to Colombia. Colombia is on a big deal. Colombia is on a very resilient society. We are facing multiple problems in the middle, but always we are with the positive, open mind to reinvent the future. Thank you very much, Jorge. Thank you very much. And of course, uh, last but not least, Andres Rengifo, your final remarks. No, thank you. The first, first of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for um, having the opportunity to share this amazing panel with you guys. I mean, it has been a learning, a learning journey this hour and a half. I'm also want to thank the audience, you know, that that bear with us the whole hour and a half, active making questions and and and, and paying a lot of attention. You know, as a basic idea, I would say, you know, I think this 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 was a um, you know a, an execution of what we're living through. You know, it's it's how we learn from each other. Uh, look at the different perspective and the different backgrounds that we have uh, in the, in this panel. You know, um, you know my colleague from Kuru. Then we have Andres, and we have you, Fernando. We have several um, uh, in the audience for sure. They have you know different backgrounds, and I think that's the way you build knowledge. That's the way you build um, kind of the the next step to move forward. Um, and and I think one of the key threads that you need. Uh, for the times we are living in is, is you know, that, that attitude of uh, not know it all, but learn it all. So be willing to listen, be empathetic. You always, you know, put on the shoes of others. And I think if you um, adopt that as a posture, uh, I, I think you will be better equipped to understand uh, the world. I recently read a phrase that, that says that basically we are uh, newbies all the time in this new world. That's a, that's a very catchy word in English. You know, newbies is like it's like we are in a in a better version, you know. It's like two point one, two point ne never ending, uh, because the, the you know knowledge and, and and society keeps just moving forward and is more faster now than before. So again, thank you so much. I think it has been a great uh, panel, and thank you so much also for the Colombian American Association uh, that did a great job just putting this together. Guys, thank you, thank you very much. We're just in time. Thank you, Andres Nunez, CEO of Greeky. Thank you. Andres Rengifo, Director of Corporate External and Legal Affairs at Microsoft Colombia. And of course, thank you, Jorge Arias, Latin American Director of Productivity and Collaboration at Google Cloud. Thank you also to the Colombian American Association, to all of our sponsors who are making this conference possible, uh, Wilkie Farr and Gallagher and Content Room and the partners of Philip Morris International, ProColombia, WeWork, Look for Capital, Camara Colombiana Comercio Electronico, LAPCA and Nearshore Americas. Please uh, remember that we have another panel. The panel is starting at four o'clock uh, to, to all through 5.30 and is reshaping the future women and tech for development, which is gonna be very, very exciting as well. Guys, thank you very much for being with us today and hope to hear from you very soon. I'm gonna send you an email because I really want to learn more about all you guys. Thank you very much and have a great afternoon. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.